Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I am thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And friends, periodically we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, friends. Today is day three, and we're continuing on in our study of biblical wisdom through the eyes of the son of David, who was king in Jerusalem, and his son is none other than King Solomon. On day one, we looked at all is vanity under the sun. Importantly, all is not to be taken to mean everything in the universe. Solomon limited his observations to everything under the sun or observable by man. We find that Solomon's negative conclusions had to be observable. He said, I saw, I have seen, or again, I saw. And Solomon was very specific to never name anything vanity that was of God, predicted of God, God's work, God's revelation, or man as man. Solomon saw the fear of God, the enjoyment of life, and the proper use of wisdom as all commendable. On day two, we explored cycles of life. Nature never ceases in her life cycle, yet man who is at the height of God's creation passes into eternity with no remembrance. And Solomon is credited for writing both Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And while Ecclesiastes emphasizes wisdom's limitations, the book of Proverbs emphasizes wisdom's benefits. And Solomon pursued fulfillment through pleasure, wine, great works, wealth, aesthetic, and artistic pleasures and fame. But all of these pursuits were futile. Attempting to find fulfillment in material pursuits is also futile because one must leave the fruit of his work to another, and we're told to enjoy our work as it is a gift from God. When we're operating from the center of God's will, our work can be a sphere of blessing in our lives. We also reviewed Solomon's poem, where he compared 14 pairs of opposite events to everything. There is a season, a time. And one example was the gathering and scattering of stones. This reference referred to the process of clearing land for planting or building. According to Solomon, man's chief response to God should be to fear him. He then compares and contrasts the workaholic versus the lazy fool. Both are not enviable. Being moderate is the better position to be. And two are better than one. They can help each other get back up if one falls. They double their strength and a triple fold cord is not easily broken. Solomon tells us of the importance of fearing God. Our attitude needs to be in a posture of openness and readiness to listen to what God has to share with us. 
We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought by attempting to dictate our demands to God. This is vain pride and pure foolishness. Empty religious professions are arrogant to God. We must humbly approach God recalling that He is sovereign, meaning our purposes must fall within His will and intent, His absolute right to do all things according to His perfect will. And God being in heaven while we're earthbound is just one more reason for us to have awe and respect for our Creator. And Solomon warned that we should not make foolish promises to God when we make a vow or a promise and fulfill only part of it, or worse yet, none of it. We are playing games with God when we do this. And back in the day with the Israelites within their culture, they often made vows, and this was really serious in God's eyes. So then Solomon switches to the subject of wealth. And there's nothing wrong with money as long as we do not operate from a stance of the love of money. Being financially free affords us more opportunities to serve God. And I'm aware of a philanthropist who serves over 4 million meals in 56 countries per year. And now this is staggering, but God has blessed him to be a blessing to others. And we can see many examples where we learn it's not wealth, but the drive for wealth that doesn't satisfy. Money is an exchange of currency for the value we bring into others' lives. And because wealth can be lost if mismanaged, it's not the end all. It's an unsure foundation for life if our aim is simply to acquire wealth for the sake of ourself, it will often elude us. Yet when we make it our mission to help others, God will find a way to get more of this divine vehicle into our hands. People who are wealthy experience a different set of hardships. They are often approached by thieves and freeloaders wanting something for nothing. These very people must learn to be discerning so that the thief will not come in and kill, steal, or destroy by deceit. Everything belonging to the kingdom of God has purpose and meaning. And Solomon says that it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy our work and accept our lot in life. That is indeed a gift from God. And when we view life this way, we're looking at it with the right perspective. We're appreciating the gift God has given us, recognizing all we have is a gift from God, allows us to focus on the giver rather than the gift itself. When we operate and live within God's design for our life, we can be content. Yes, we'll experience times of adversity, but these times can be lived out with a quiet confidence amidst the chaos. And prosperity is not always beneficial. When we take our focus off a of God, allowing our carnal selves to take over, we unknowingly set ourselves up to be easy targets for the enemy. There is an unseen realm always engaged in battle for our souls. God's chief enemy, Satan, deploys his principalities and his lieutenants into this warfare using whoever and whomever is available. This is one more reason why it is critical to either be all in or all out. You can't ride the fence here or you will be pillaged. God says he doesn't want a lukewarm church in Revelation. When we're lukewarm, we give ourselves over to the enemy very easily. 
When we're cold for Christ, the devil leaves us alone because he assumes he has us in his camp. We are on, when we're on fire for the Lord, we'll be relentlessly attacked by evil. But have no fear, our God is stronger and has already overcome Satan. Death has been defeated. It's this middle ground called no man's land where the most damage occurs. Here, people become easy targets. They're not realizing that the roaring lion walks around like well, Satan walks around like a roaring lion and encircles them waiting to pounce on his next victim. Now, I'm not sharing any of this to scare or frighten you. Rather, I'm attempting to bring about an awareness to a very real foe and an unseen threat. If it was up to me, I'd rather bury it, sweep it under the rug, never discuss it again. And yet that's exactly what our enemy Satan wants. After all, ignorance is bliss, right? Well, Solomon tells us not to fail to enjoy the blessings of God. We're counseled to enjoy what we've been given now by all that we're blessed to see with our eyes currently versus the wondering desire of future possessions. In other words, be content with the gifts we've been given now and say so. Prayers of gratitude move God's heart toward us. A key point in the book of Ecclesiastes is that man is too limited to explain the problems of life. No matter how smart we think we are, in comparison to God, we'll always be deficient. These are some mysteries that we are just not meant to know. Yet in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse three, it tells us to ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. And the book of Proverbs is considered wisdom literature. In this book, Solomon encourages readers to focus on the short time on earth each one of us has. He says to focus on mourning and sorrow versus feasting and laughter. And why talk about the good old days when we can't be assured they were that good? We don't know the reality of what today or the future holds. Our latter days may well be better than our former days. Right now, declare that over your life. Just say it aloud. My latter days will be better than my former days. You are prophesying or speaking good into your life. And we're to look to God for all of our plans in life. And you know, both Christianity and Judaism see value in suffering and sorrow. It's a refining fire that builds our character and strengthens our integrity. The Greeks and the Romans despised suffering, and the Eastern religions tried to live above it. While I don't seek out suffering, sorrow, and solitude, one thing is for sure. This is a time where we come to know God deeper and our intimate relationship is strengthened. This is God giving us the blessings and opportunities for both spiritual growth and a natural earthly awareness that is heightened. It's a shift away from being self-reliant. And Solomon confronts death head on. This is the only certainty in life death. We are all going to face it one day, regardless of how much wisdom we have or if we operate in foolishness. Some of us, Lord willing, will enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. He will tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. But the other road is wide and it leads to the enemy camp. It is one we do not want to find ourselves in. And according to Solomon, only wisdom can save our lives. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 says, A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. In the same way, the day you die is better than the day that you are born. While we're unable to control what others think about us, we can stay in good standing with God. Did you know when he looks at you, he sees Christ? He says, and that was good about your creation and about my creation. We are the righteousness of God through Christ. And righteousness means we are approved. Jesus took all of our sins, past, present, and future, at the cross of Calvary. When this divine exchange occurred, it was refreshing us in God's eyes to see the perfection of his son when he looks upon us now. And Solomon encouraged his readers to not only live in the moment, but also to contemplate death. This wasn't to be morbid, but it was to remember the reason to bring to light that there's time to change and make a decision right now to make adjustments in our lives where we know that we can improve or that we're falling short, the time is now. This is how we receive God's mercy rather than the justice that we all deserve. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8, we learn finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. It's easy to be wide-eyed and start on a project with reckless abandon with only an idea. But the person who perseveres and pushes through to the end is patient and wise. Pride causes us to stumble and fail as it is an emotion born out of arrogance. Agreeing with Solomon, we may consider adding patience to our prayer list or better yet, declare patience over our life daily. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14 says, Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. That way you realize that nothing is certain in life. Life is full of surprises. At times, all is well, and then we hit a bump, often quickly bouncing back to our all is well status quo. God will never allow us to coast along without giving us growth opportunities. Life is unpredictable. We're to enjoy the good times, recognizing them as God's gift, as well as the hard times, as God's opportunity for the blessings that they are. By nature, I'm a giver. I love to surprise other people with gifts. At times, I've been known to give away jewelry to someone who's complimented the item I'm wearing. Don't worry, it's only costume jewelry. But one ring was literally like 50% off. I think it cost me $5. And the gal I gave it to acted like I'd given her a solid gold ring. It made her day. And honestly, it felt really good to give it away. So even when we're in a valley or a tough time, we can still train ourselves to look for ways to give to others and serve God at the same time. Solomon sought out more wisdom. He was determined to be wise. He is known as the wisest man to have ever lived upon the earth. Yet even wisdom, his wisdom was inefficient to understand life fully. Just when we think we've tapped into wisdom and are wise, rest assured, this is a telltale sign that we are not. The same can be said for humility. As sure as we express we are humble, we get knocked down a few pegs and we learn that we are not. If we define wisdom in its truest form, it's the ability to see life from God's perspective and then to know what the best course of action is to take. 
Solomon's concluding advice in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15 goes against every legalist out there. These are people who have become embedded in false righteousness. They've become so good in their own eyes that their assessments are skewed and diluted by their righteous acts. They've lost their sensitivity for why they are compelled to be good. And of course, the reason for being good is to bring honor to God. When we are temperate in our approach to life, we don't err on a legalistic scale versus an immoral one. So Solomon in verse 15 says, So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them. This approach to life brings joy and contentment. We can learn to appreciate the gifts God has given us as we continue to seek out work for His honor and His glory. So friends, I hope that you've enjoyed today's pod show and will join me tomorrow as we conclude Solomon's thoughts surrounding biblical wisdom. And you know, earlier I mentioned having that personal relationship with God's son, Jesus, and that is our only way to heaven. So if you want a personal relationship with Jesus, I and spend eternity in heaven, not elsewhere. I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to Jesus. Just simply repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of known and unknown sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the past, present, and future sins of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider getting into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers who will help to edify and build up your faith in Jesus. Let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made and will ever make. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction or this prayer. So as you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you. It comes out in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And this prayer does encompass six blessings over your life. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. And we'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, wisdom literature, and much more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so that you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. 
And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And why don't you consider being a blessing to someone else today and share this pod show with them? And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus forever. Amen. Until next time, be blessed and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all.